In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday uh, of the month of Misra, and today is the last day of the fast of St. Mary. And we read today in the scripture a passage where the people were rebuking the Lord Jesus Christ for casting out a demon. And they were accusing him of casting out this demon by the power of the demons. And the Lord rebuked them in return and said that what they're saying doesn't make any sense because how is it that Satan could cast out Satan? And then he says in verse 25, in, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Meaning if Satan is, is, is casting himself out, then his house is divided and there is no way that his house could stand or that his kingdom could stand. But actually we see um, kind of an example uh, in the kingdom of the devil that he is very united. You know, all of the demons all have one mind, that they all are seeking the destruction of humanity. They are all attacking God and they work together to reach that end. Whereas if you look at human beings, for instance, you might find in us that we are divided in many ways. You know, our country is divided. We might have people who are, who are divided in the church. We might have families that are divided. And so this division that we find in, in, in our, our, our church or our, um, our families uh, would then result in the kingdom to fall, would result in the house to fall, would result in there to be conflicts that are coming from the inside. And actually, these conflicts that arise from the inside are far greater than the conflicts that arise from the outside. When someone attacks us from the outside, we are able to come together and to defend ourselves and to repel the attack. But when the divisions are happening from the inside, whether it be from the church or in a, in a family, in a home, there is going to be destruction and there is very little that can be done to stop it once it starts. So I want to speak a little bit about what are the principles of a united house, whether the house be the church whether the house be our, our families at home, what are the things that we have to keep in mind in order to prevent this kind of division from happening? Because oftentimes the divisions that happen um, in, our, in our church or in our families happen very slowly, very gradually over a long period of time. And then before we realize it, it has reached a breaking point and we don't want to reach that point. What are some of the principles of unity? The first is to be united in our goals. Um, in Romans 14, 19, it says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Meaning, if we, if we are all having the same goal, then even if we have differences of opinion of how to reach the goal, at least we have the same target. At least we have the same kind of goal that we are trying to reach, the same focus, the same desire to achieve some specific thing. And even, again, if we have differences of opinion of how to get there, but at least we, we are all trying to walk down the same path to get to the same place. So in the church, for instance, our goal is to seek salvation. Our, our goal is, is to pursue repentance. Our goal is to experience the love of God. Our goal is to have a relationship with God. Our goal is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we have different, say, family members that all have different goals than this, this can be a big source of division. Because the actions that we take in order for us to achieve said goal of having of being united in this goal of salvation, the steps that we take to get there um, are one, one way. Whereas a person who has different goals, a person whose goal is to simply enjoy their life 
their goal is simply to focus on their career. Their goal is to um, focus on gaining wealth. Maybe the decisions and the actions that that person will take is different than a person who's seeking salvation, and that is their primary goal. So if we are not united in, in this goal, then we will find there will be conflict. You know, when, when, when families, for instance, have a conflict between how they should spend their time, one person says, you know, we need to go to the church more. Another person says, no, we go to the church enough or we, or, 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 or we don't have the time to go to church anymore. One person says, you know, we need to put our kids in Sunday school. Another person says, well, Sunday school is not really that important. Another person says, um, you know, we need to start serving in the church in some way. The other person says, no, I'm very busy um, with my work and whatever it is that I'm doing. And I don't have any interest to serve the church in any kind of way. Right. So those are, are, are representing what? Two different goals. The conflicts are happening because the two people don't have the same target, right? And this is one source of division whenever we don't have the same target or the same goal. Another principle uh, of, of unity is to be united in mind. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For instance, what is the source of our understanding? What is the source of, of how we view the world, of the worldview that we have? Where, where do we get our concept of truth from? If a person gets their concept of truth from the Holy Bible, then we will be united in mind. Again, maybe each of us has weaknesses and, in, and, and each of us is going to fall away from the truth in one way or the other. But how do we know that we are at fault? We are at fault because we compare ourselves with the scripture. Whatever the scripture says, this is the standard that we are trying to live by. And when we examine ourselves and find that we have fallen short, we try to correct ourselves. Again, because this is our, 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 the, way that we, the way that we perceive the world, the way that we perceive the truth, our, our understanding of morality, our understanding of right and wrong, is all coming from the same source, which is the scripture, the word of God. And so this is our reference. This is our guide that we live by. This is how we solve disputes. But if we fundamentally don't have the same understanding of right and wrong, if, if, if both people, let's say, in a family don't have the same idea of the truth, right, then no amount of, of reconciliation is going to allow them to be in peace because they have fundamentally different ideas of, of, of what is right and what is wrong and how we should live. The same is true in the church. This is, for instance, the problem that arises with heresies. Whenever there is a heresy in the church, meaning there is a group of people who begin to believe some, something contrary to the teachings of the church, something contrary to the word of God, then there becomes a division. And that division comes because both group sets of people have a fundamentally different understanding of the truth. We can see this dichotomy between the idea of the heavenly wisdom and the earthly wisdom. The heavenly wisdom, again, is focusing on what is the eternal truth and that those eternal truths are the things that matter the most to me. The eternal truths, the things that I, that I want to live and abide by because they abide forever. Whereas the temporary or earthly truths, the earthly wisdom, is focusing more on how can I advance myself in this life? How can I uh, be successful? How can I grow in you know, the, 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 the kind of the earthly way, right? which there isn't anything wrong with advancing ourselves in this life, but sometimes the decisions that we make to advance ourselves in this life are in direct contradiction to the way we advance ourselves in the heavenly life. And this is when the conflict arises. And if we have unity of mind, 
We both uh, submit to the same word of God. We all submit to the truth. We don't have differences uh, between us of what is our goal and our target and our understanding of morality. And that we are willing to incur even losses and make sacrifices for the sake of this truth. Because this is very important. It's very easy for us in a theoretical way to speak about the truth and to speak about what we believe. But what really matters is what am I willing to do in order to attain this truth? What am I willing to do in order to grow in this relationship with God that I am saying is so important to me? Because that's when the conflicts arise. The conflicts are not arising necessarily so much at the level of, of just thinking and philosophizing about things. They're arising more about what decisions am I going to take as a result of this, this understanding and this knowledge that I have about the truth. It goes back again to what I said before. Am I going to sacrifice of my own things? Am I going to sacrifice of the things I would, you know, I, I would enjoy doing for the sake, say, of coming to church uh, when there's another activity going on at the same time? This is, again, unity. We are united in mind because we submit to the same word of God. The third point is of, of the principles of unity is having the unity of faith. In Ephesians 4, verse 5, um, St. Paul speaks about how there is one Lord, one faith and one baptism and this one faith and one belief and one practice that is in the church is an integral part of our unity because the church is an integral part of our faith and being a part of the church and making it kind of a central part of my life is something very important submitting my will submitting my will you know oftentimes people come and they 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 have good intentions and good motives but they don't necessarily submit their will Right? Everyone decides for themselves how I choose to live my life, even if it is contrary to the word of God, even if it is contrary to what the church is saying, the way that we should practice. Right? To be united in faith means I submit my will to God. It is not just I am the one who is deciding for myself how I choose to live. Of course, obviously we know that in the end we are choosing. It is a choice that I make. But I, how do I choose? Do I choose based on the principles of God? Do I choose based on the guidance of the church? Do I choose based on these things? Or I just choose based on my own understanding? Again, when you have two people that are in conflict with one another, if they have the same, um, if they're both submitting to the will of God, to the word of God, submitting to the church, then the church can come and help them. For instance, if there's two people who want to, to do the right thing and they're having a conflict and they come to the church and the church helps to mediate between the two of them based on the principles of the church based on the principles of God. And if they are willing to submit to the principles of God, then they will find reconciliation because they both want the truth. They both want the same thing. But if one out of the two of them uh, does not submit to the will of God or submit to the church, right, or, does, or has a different faith altogether, then there is no way the church can help to mediate between them because they are, they are fundamentally seeing things in a very different way. So again, to have unity, we have to have also this unity of faith and submission. There's also the unity of love. In Colossians 3, it says what? Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is the commandment of God for unity in the family, what is the way that the wife treats the husband, the husband treats the wife, the parents treat the children, and the children treat the parents? This is f covering all the different relationships between um, the members of the family. 
And in order for us to have this unity in our family, we have to treat each other a certain way, right? Giving priority to the unity within the family, giving, putting effort and energy into making sure that the family is always together, is always united in mind, that there's always respect and love in the family is something that is very important. For instance, the principle of forgiveness is something that is very important. When we you know, inadvertently hurt one another. How do I react to this? How do I respond? Sometimes we just want to uh, ignore uh, whenever someone is hurt. You know, there's a conflict that happened between people and then people just want to move on. You know, they just, I just want to move on. It's difficult for me to stay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to address the issue, that we're going to have a serious conversation about it. And then if I find that I've done something wrong, that I actually apologize, right? But that's actually the way healing comes. Healing comes because the hurts have been addressed. The things that have been said or the things that have been done that have hurt one person or the other are, are addressed. They're not just ignored. Things don't just continue on as they were. And there is a real spirit of forgiveness, a real spirit that I'm not going to hold against another person, some failure that they have made for years and years and years and always harboring in my heart bitterness or resentment toward them. There is no unity of love if we do not have forgiveness. Also the desiring of the well-being of the other person, meaning I'm trying to place the other person above myself, even when I don't feel it, even when I'm not very happy with them, but I say what? I have made a commitment, right? And this is in the church as well. We are trying to serve one another. We're trying to give to the other. We are trying to place the other before us. Also, in another important point in the, having this unity of love is to remember the good qualities of another person. Sometimes when we are upset with someone, all we can see is their flaws. All we can see is their faults. All we can see is the thing that they did to hurt us in some way. But part of what helps us to forgive is to remember that this person is not only faults and weaknesses and flaws. They have many good qualities. And actually the reason maybe we choose to be with that person is because of the good qualities that we see in them. Right? So it is not just flaws. It is not just failures or errors. And so we, we, to remember those good things will help us to be able to forgive them and to make acts of sacrifice for them. And even if emotionally we are upset with a person, but yet we can, we can still learn to reconcile and come together again by giving of ourselves to the other person. So this is a very important principle, whether it be in the church um, or in our homes. The unity of respect. In... Um, in Jeremiah chapter 35, there is a story about a group of people called the Rechabites. And these Rechabites um, were a group of people whose grandfather had commanded them never to drink wine and to never live in houses, but to always live in tents. And he told them to live in tents because he wanted them to feel like they were sojourners, they were travelers, they were not kind of, the, this world was not their home, they were just here traveling and that ultimately you know, heaven is their home. And so this man, okay, he, he gave this command to his family. And now these Rechabites are like the, the third generation, right? So they, their grandfather was this man, okay, who, who gave this command. And this group were still following and obeying what their grandfather had said. They were still drinking no wine and they were still not living in any kind of house, but they were living in tents. And so God used this group as an example. And essentially he was saying, the, this group of people, they, they submitted themselves and they respected the words of their grandfather 
to do these things, but you, Israel, are not respecting my words in order to obey my commandments. This is what he says here um, in the book of Jeremiah. He says, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. Right? He's saying this group of people was so respectful of their grandfather, right, of their ancestor, that they are following him and they're doing what it is that, they, that he's asking them to do, even though it might be difficult and even though they might question why is this even necessary for us to, to live this way, that they were living it, they were doing it, right? But you are not respecting God. This is how, what God is accusing the people of. You are not listening to my words. So this unity of respect means what? that we respect one another, right? Especially, you know, a very traditional value and, and a very biblical value is for children to respect their parents, to honor their father and mother, to respect their elders, to respect people who have more experience and more authority than they have, people who have lived longer than them, because we trust that those who lived longer than us are wise, have more wisdom than we have, have more experience than we have, are able to share their wisdom and understanding with us. And even if we don't completely understand why they're asking us to live a certain way, but we trust that the way they're asking us to live is, is good. There is something good about what they are saying. There's something beneficial to us about what they are saying. And so this is here as an example where these Rechabites lived according to what their ancestor had said, right? Out of respect. Whether they agreed with it or not, I'm sure they wished that they could live in houses. But they respected th this, this, this um, commandment that they were given, and this is how they chose to live. Respect is also necessary and required in our homes, necessary and required in our church. Submitting our will not only to God, but submitting our will to other people, people who have authority over us, people who have our best interests at heart, showing deference to them, showing that we are willing to to listen to them even when we do not completely agree, right? Because again, God is using them to fulfill his will in our lives. God is using them to bless us. We think about all the people that have shown us love in our life. God is using these people to show us his own love. And so he wants us to respect them. He wants us to honor them. And if there is no respect, then there will come conflict. And that conflict will bring eventually division, which is again, what we, are, what we don't want. We're speaking about the principles of unity. We want there to be unity of, of mind and heart and uh, respect is a big part of this. The sixth point is the unity of principles. In 2 Corinthians 13, it says, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Okay, what we say, it should be what we do. What we say should be what we do. The way that we live, the principles that we live by should be played out in practice. Because one thing that causes conflict in any kind of group is you have people who are teaching one thing and proclaiming or preaching one thing, and then they are living according to a completely different standard. So to have unity of principles means that whoever we are in private is what we are in public. We have a consistent lifestyle. We are not a double-minded person. We don't act one way in one scenario and a different way in another scenario. And we believe that the way we are living is according to the will of God, and we are one person. We are not two people, but we are one person. And so there is no conflict or division with the people around me because people understand me. I am simple to understand. 
People know what I stand for. People know what I believe. People know that whatever I say, this is what I'm going to practice. People know that whenever I make a promise, I'm going to keep my promise. People, people know that I live a principled life. I don't just live according to my emotions. I don't, I don't act out according to how I feel. If I'm in a bad mood one day, I still can control myself. I still show kindness. I still show respect. I still have patience with others, right? This is a principle for peace and a principle for unity. But if each person is acting out according to how they might feel in that moment or in that day, and if they are not feeling in the best mood and they feel like it is okay for them to kind of be angry, to yell, to, to, to be impatient with everyone around them, then that is not a recipe for unity. There will always be conflict because emotions are wavering. Emotions are always changing. It's of course some of us and many of us at different times we are not in a good mood and sometimes we say things we don't mean or we are angry really for not any reason, angry toward a person that hasn't done anything to us. And we know that this can bring conflict. We know that this puts strain and stress on relationships, right? So a big part of having unity is being self-controlled, is, is, is living a consistent life. It's living according to principles and not just according to our whims or how we believe or how, how we feel in the moment. The last point I want to mention for the principles of unity is unity in the pursuit of holiness. Again, this is our desire. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. For instance, in a family, how do we decide what type of food we're going to eat? Okay. There is the principle of fasting. This is something that we and the church practice. And we do this because we want to learn self-control. And we want to learn self-control so that we can keep ourselves from sin, so we can pursue holiness. So if all of us together, our goal is holiness, then we can understand the principles of fasting. We can understand. Maybe we don't like fasting, but we understand why it's necessary. We understand why we do it. And we will be motivated to do it, even if it's not our most favorite thing. But if you have people who are not pursuing that or are not convinced of that and another person who is, then again, there will be conflict. Well, what are we going to eat? Are we going to eat this food or are we going to eat that food, right? The, 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 the types of entertainment that I enjoy. Again, if one person is pursuing holiness, they might say, well, no, this specific type of entertainment, this is not godly. And so I don't want to participate in it. Whereas another person will come and say, no, what's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. So again, it causes conflict, right? If we live according to this desire and pursuit of holiness, we have, again, the same goal and target, then we will have unity in our homes. Otherwise, we won't. This is why it's so important for someone who's choosing a spouse, for instance, to look at all of these things and say, is this person really desiring and seeking the same thing as I am? Do they have the same values and principles that I am? Are we going to find that we are really aiming at two different targets? And if we are, there is, there's, it's going to be a recipe for division and conflict. Whereas if both of us are, have the same target, even if we have weaknesses, even if we have failures, even if we have flaws, at least we are growing toward the same goal and the same target. And so over time, we will get closer and closer to one another because each of us is getting closer to God. But if one person is seeking God and the other person is not seeking him, then we will not be drawing closer together. We will actually be divided more and more. And whatever weaknesses that we have are not going to be resolved. They're actually going to be amplified. And we're going to grow further and further apart. So these are some of the principles of holiness that we've discussed. We spoke about the unity of goals, 
the unity of mind, the unity of faith, the unity in love, the unity of respect, the unity of principles, and finally, unity in the pursuit of holiness. So may God grant us always to be united, whether in our homes, whether in the church, in every place that we are, not to make a place for the devil to come and be able to tempt us and attack us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.